0: Hello and welcome to the show that, frankly, would welcome a bit of lavish Chinese investment. This week we plunge into the Football League so deep, so deep we'll send your butt to sleep. We're talking Chesterfield, of course, 92nd in the Football League and sinking fast. First it was Clarence Seidorf, then it was Paul Skulls, now it's Matt Stanger who's been checking out Oldham. Find out what happened to him at Boundary Park. And in a devilish flip of the running order that marks us out as the iconoclastic rogues that we are, we'll end the show at the very top of the Football League, keeping you all hungry like the, well, you know, it's all in the Totally Football League Show. OK, welcome then to the studios of Jazz FM for the Totally Football League Show, the second Totally Football League Show, which will be rendered redundant in a matter of hours by a midweek programme of fixtures. So uh, no pressure to uh, keep yourself out of trouble. We are joined, as always, by the set-piece editing Blackburn Rovers supporting Matt Stanger. Matt! Good morning, Ian. You alright? Yeah, I was alright until you sent me to Oldham versus Blackburn this <laughs> weekend. <laughs> Gregor Robertson is here. Delighted to have you here. Welcome to the studio. Hello. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how to introduce you because as a footballer, You started at Nottingham Forest, went to Rotherham, you did five seasons at Chesterfield, one at Crewe, two at Northampton, you ended in the conference with Grimsby. That's right. But you also went from the dressing room to the lecture hall, did a degree in professional sports writing at Staffordshire University, did work experience at the Nottingham Post and now you write one of the best columns in the piles of Monday broadsheet content. Detailing your Odyssean voyages through British football. That sounds very generous. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Two fine careers already. Um, when you went to university, what was that like as a professional footballer? Because university, generally speaking, is eighteen-year-olds just off their tits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't have any of that. I'm afraid
1: uh, it was, a, and it was a, a course that was mainly kind of made up of footballers as well. So, oh, really? Uh, the PFA run. Runs it in conjunction with Staffordshire University. Um, Anyone else
0: on your course that we know?
1: Yeah, there was George Friend, Neil Mellor, Clark Carlyle was here before us. Um, there's quite a few players that have uh, gone on to do some stuff in the media. So, so
0: what what do you do on the course? What's the kind of vocational stuff?
1: You're supposed to cover everything. It's professional sports writing and broadcasting, and uh, so you cover a bit of everything. And you've got to find some some time outside of uh, outside of your footballing career to go in and get some work experience somewhere. So every every day off, I was nipping into the Nottingham Post near me and uh, spending a day making the teas and coffees, really. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> was it a bit weird with all the journalists? Because you'd be like, ah, you're him, are you? You're the one who gave me that four out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I've mean, I, I can't be... I, I can't worry about that because I think most people gave me a 4 out of 10. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's more than we get for this pod some days. Um, without further ado, let's go to League Two. It's time for the roundup. Hit the music, producer Ben. There were new leaders in every division this weekend and it's Notts County who sit at the top of the pile in League Two after their 2-1 win over Barnett. Exeter, who drew away at Wickham, were reported to be fortunate with that. They're level on points in second, but trailing on goal difference. And Harry Redknapp's influence might be coming to bear down at Yeovil. He's been brought in as Darren Way's advisor, and they've only gone and won a game, beating Crewe 2-0. They rise to 17th.
2: A well-worked goal from Sean McConville gave Accrington a 1-0 win over Coventry to keep them within a point of the automatic promotion places. And Chesterfield lost 2-0 at home to fellow strugglers Morecambe to make it 10 games without a win in League Two. More on that later. Carl Eilich out Colchester 1-0 thanks to a goal from substitute Jamie
0: Devitt. We mentioned last week that Luton were looking like the wheat to this division's chaff and for the second time this season they went goal crazy putting seven past poor old Stevenage. Mansfield's little run of form ended abruptly this weekend they were beaten 3-1 at home by Swindon and congratulations to Port Vale's new boss Neil Aspin who celebrates his first win a 3-1 victory over Cheltenham and Vale are out of the drop zone.
2: Norris Green boss Mark Cooper said it was soul destroying to watch experienced players making basic errors as Rovers lost 4-0 at home to Newport, while Sam Jones missed a penalty as Grimsby were held to a 0-0 draw by Harry Kewell's Crawley, TM, at Blundell Park, and it was 0-0 just down the road in Lincoln too as the Imps failed to find a way past Cambridge United.
0: Lovely stuff. So, Chesterfield, Gregor, you were there for five years, so you'll know all this already. They're 149 years old. They entered the Football League in 1921 as one of the inaugural third division North Gang. They've never played in the top flight and haven't been in the second flight since they were relegated in 1951. Not that they haven't had some incredible moments, of course. Who could forget the 1997 FA Cup run that took them all the way to the semi-finals and indeed a semi-final replay because of a bit of officiating that still rankles and understandably so. They left their old home at Saltergate in 2010 and they disproved the new stadium curse theory by winning promotion the following season at what is now known as the Pro Act Stadium. And 15 years after that Wembley frustration against Middlesbrough, they made new memories, winning the Johnstons paint trophy in 2012. And then they were relegated back down to the basement the following season. But they came back to League One in 2014 under Paul Cook. But it's all gone pear-shaped since then. Cook left for Portsmouth. Dean Saunders proved an inadequate replacement, as did Danny Wilson and Gary Caldwell. But by this point, with serious financial worries mounting, form was the least of their concerns. They finished 24th in League One last season. A 24th in League Two this season. Gregor, you left, it all went wrong. What's happened? <laughs> well, they had another high after I left. They had the second promotion. But
1: <laughs> no, I mean it's a club I've I had a great time at. I uh, really enjoyed my time there. It's a good good football club. Um but yes, it has been there's been a bit of a bad atmosphere there for, for quite some time now. Things going on it seems behind the scenes, uh with the ownership. I think the owner wants out really. But
0: yeah, just to come on that uh Dave Allen it was he resigned as chairman and director in November 2016 after he claimed he suggested to the other shareholders that they all write off the interest on their loans to the club until the club could actually afford to pay it and uh, and and they didn't want to do that. Yeah, uh,
1: I don't think he's really been back since since that day he washed his hands with it so and the club's in has run up a fair bit of debt as well. Um but yeah, I mean I think still on the pitch it's 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 been hugely disappointing in terms of they've still got a reasonable budget for that that division. Changed a lot of players in the summer. I think sixteen new players came in. And it it's just it's just been disastrous this season for them.
0: Yeah, they they have a new CEO there, Michael Dumford, who has plenty of experience. He's been in similar roles Everton, Birmingham Plymouth, Derby Crawley he uh, he recently announced dates for surgeries where the fans could discuss their concerns with him and he said I'm happy to discuss anything connected with the football club other than the playing side that is one line I'm not crossing and no <laughs> bloody wonder they're, yeah. they're not looking good are they
1: no they're looking uh, they're looking like they're in trouble but um, I mean Jack, Jack Lester's obviously come in recently and, and he's someone who's, who's got a huge amount of credit with the uh, with supporters and with with that football club he's an absolute legend there. Um, yes
0: he uh, he's scored so many goals there they retired his number fourteen. Champion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean it was one of those
1: kind of it was like it was like a Stevie Gerrard farewell at Chesterfield. <laughs> a Chesterfield version of that. <laughs> there was the Guard of Honor, the kind of lap of honor, all of that stuff.
0: Um you, you played with him, so you know him you know him very well.
1: Yeah, we shared the shared the lifts up from Nottingham uh for five years. Um and yeah, he's someone I know well. I think he's since he since he went to Nottingham Forest, he's uh, he's become a very good coach. He's got a built a good reputation, and uh, I think he's obviously what he's got to work with is what he has until January. But he's really looking forward to trying to make the most of that that bunch uh, on the training on the training field
0: because that's what he enjoys most. I think I think he's he's a very hands-on coach. Matt, um well we we both watched the 2-0 uh, defeat at home to Morecambe. Um what has he got to work with on the pitch? Is there anything anything good there?
2: Well, I don't often call these things correctly in, but I don't think they're going straight back up this season. <laughs> 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 they uh, they no they they played okay actually against Morecambe. I thought they were a little bit unlucky to to get not get a draw. They um, they defended terribly, though, the two goals. Oh. The free kick was a, a stinker. And then the second one, just a high ball into the box. Midfielder not tracking his runner. easily. But no one
0: him. was tracking anything. The greatest thing about the second goal, and it was the ball came down with snow on it and there were no Chesterfield players anywhere near it. And as it got bundled inevitably into the net, you could hear a voice in the stadium going, oh, come on! <laughs> it was a dreadful, dreadful goal. But I'm, I'm like, Matt, I, th- I thought they were... There were clear signs of improvement there. There were a few players there. Andy Kellett, who you might remember as uh, getting an unlikely loan move to Manchester United, a 23-year-old left-back, he he looked interesting.
2: Yeah, he did. He played fairly well. And uh, Lewis Reed as well, midfielder they've got on loan from Sheffield United. I thought he kept the ball pretty well in the centre. And they maintained possession fairly well. I thought they controlled a lot of the play. But uh, they, you know, they perhaps lacked a bit of pace to get beyond the, the walk-and-bat line second half and really create chances and they had a couple of efforts from distance I think Robbie Weir hit the post in the first half with a great strike and Christine Dennis as well had, had a good shot saved by Barry Rush in the first half but they, they definitely need some, some more cutting edge and I think that's what Jack Lester former striker will obviously be looking for
0: Yeah, Barry Rush the, uh, pr- proving a different immutable law of the X um, there with a man-of-the-match performance um, what, what do you think Gregor of, of their team? Who stands out for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think uh, the the lad alone from Sheffield United was a tidy, tidy little player. He looked, he looked quite, quite good. And Reid, yeah, um, Robbie Weir's experienced. He's, he's been around. He's played at high level too, and I think he's, I think he's got, he's got good experience, and and they'll they'll need to call on that. Evett at the back is a kind of old warhorse now, and he's the dreadnought. <laughs> they'll need his experience too. Yeah, um, but I think I agree completely that the thing they lack most is pace and. Especially up front, they've got no, no one who can who can stretch the play at all. Uh, and do you Jack, think do you, Jack, you think
0: Jack could be pulling his boots on again?
1: <laughs> I think the fans would like that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I think uh, I think that's that's their biggest worry. They, Jack can get them fitter, he can make them more organised, but he can't uh, he can't genetically
0: modify them and get them, <laughs> and get them into super athletes. Well, he said something along those lines earlier this week. He said you can't just, say, work harder at a better intensity unless it's in your legs. So he started a weights programme there. Uh, he says just beginning to make the players a little stronger um, and he's already starting to see a little bit of progress. Um, but you've been in a number of dressing rooms over the years. How easy is it to turn it around when morale is apparently rock bottom? It's not. <laughs>
1: it's pretty much as simple as that. Uh, but I knew that's the kind of that's the that's the job of the, the new manager to come in and and galvanise things and try and give people a bit of confidence. And Jack's a very positive, outgoing, likable guy. He's kind of he's he's full of energy. Um, and I know that I know that the everyone who who played for him at uh, at Forest in the academy, they really really liked playing for him. Um, and he's obviously he's obviously got a status there as well so he's got the he's going to have the authority and like I say, he's got a lot of energy and I think he'll, he will he will galvanise that team.
0: You know, um, Guy Branston was caretaker manager um, there before Jack arrived. He's got a very interesting column in the Football League paper. That's £1.50, the Football League paper. Buy it, it's really good. Um, he wasn't that keen on Jack getting the job. He <laughs> said, uh, I personally believe we need a different sort of fit. It's no detriment to Jack, but that's the kind of honest person I am. I think you need the fit of a person with a proven track record to start getting a group of wins together instantly. I think young managers coming into this job won't have time, we ain't got time he's got to win now and you need a manager that fits that uh, Guy's left the club by um, by <laughs> mutual agreement now um, which, which is entirely understandable Is that a worry though that you've got a, a first time rookie manager coming into what is essentially a large building on fire? You could look
1: at it that way but I think, like I say I think the, the attributes that Jack brings to that is kind of a bit of dynamism, a bit a bit of bit of energy and it's all new to him obviously the the sort of uh the stresses and strains of, of professional football rather than working in a in an academy scene but he's going to give everything he's got and like i say he's got so much so much in the bank with with the supporters and stuff i was at i was at the first game against cheltenham and and just kind of until until the game started at least there was a there was a big lift around the place you know when he walked out the tunnel the fans were delighted to have him back and uh it was just unfortunate that uh Nothing much happened on the pitch that so
0: changed. <laughs> <laughs> well, as I say, I thought there were a few green shoots there, so uh, let's all clamber off the fence. Will Chesterfield go into non-league at the end of the season, Matt? I think they've probably got enough to survive, and if Leicester can
2: give them that bounce after after a few games, it's not started brilliantly, but you know, this time yet, and he will have the fans behind him, and he might have that bit of patience really to put to put a run of results together,
0: Gregor.
1: No, I think they'll survive. I think you'll get some backing as well in January. Uh, they know that they've got to, they've got to change things around in terms of some of the playing, playing staff there. But I think a
0: bit of time in the training ground,
1: uh, Jack will turn things around. I've got to say that
0: though. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll, I'll back you all. Um, you, you're in Chesterfield for a long time. Do you know why the spire of the Chesterfield, uh, cathedral is, uh, is twisted as it is? Why? It's a very yeah very distinctive twist in that spire very famous
1: She'll be Really wrong here and I hope not but is there not like something that the devil sat in it? Or? That is
0: exactly yes. that is exactly <laughs> why. Um, the local legend has it that the devil was causing mischief in Chesterfield and he seated himself upon the spire and wrapped his tail around it but the people of the town rang the church bells and the devil, frightened by the clamour, tried to jump away with his tail still wound around the steeple causing it to twist. It's either that or the contraction of the lead on the roof which faces the south side where the sun is. <laughs> you make your own decision. I'm not a scientist. Tonight, Chesterfield play away at Harry Kuehl's Crawley TM. If you want to go to Chesterfield, the nearest train station is Chesterfield, but the ground's a good 30 minute walk away. Uh, there's a shuttle bus, though, before and after the game, and it only costs a quid. You can drive, it's not far from the M1, just down the A617, but parking is not great. It's permit holders only at the ground. and There is a bit of street parking, and it's listed on the club site, but get there early for that. We want to encourage people to go to games but tickets are a bit pricey £20 to £24 plus £2 for Category A games Uh, though the ominously entitled juvenile tickets under 16s uh, are between £9 and £11 which is far more reasonable. That's Chesterfield. Good luck to them. After this, good luck to Matt and to Gregor it's a fan league. Listeners, you like stats and so do I so have a bang on this one. 81% of men who try the Cornerstone razor don't go back to their old one. I know. Find out more and get £10 off your first order and free delivery too at cornerstone.co.uk slash totally. Right, it's time to play the Fan League. Gregor, are you familiar with the Fan League? I am, yes. Of course you are. It's uh, basically like the football pools, isn't it, Matt? Yes. Yeah, (laughs) you get your slip through the app, which you find on the app store by typing in Fan League. There are 13 games. All you have to do is predict home win, away win or draw. And the more you get right, the more money you win. Uh, You need to get 10 from 13 to start winning cash, something I haven't yet managed. We have five championship fixtures on the slip and the first up is Bristol City-Leeds. Matt, Bristol City, um, they, they wobbled but uh, this weekend just drawing at home to Burton but not as hard as Leeds wobbled.
2: No, and we predicted that Leeds would beat Reading at home after really Reading's struggle so far. But I, I think Bristol City will, will have enough here again. They've been scoring lots of goals this season. Uh, I watched them against Derby when they, they thrashed Derby and they played the ball around brilliantly and, yeah, continuing the form.
1: Gregor, what do you think? I'll go with Bristol City as well. I think they seem to turn it on with the, in the big games and they're, they're, in, they're in good form. They had a little blip the other night but Leeds seem to be uh,
0: going through a bit of a <laughs> sticky patch now. It's um, going to be a big test for them so I'm going with Bristol City. Yeah. I'm really worried about Leeds but I was encouraged by Pontus Janssen on his Instagram this week who um, quite pleasingly blamed himself for being a word that I can't use on this podcast without getting the little E explicit symbol. You're on um, Instagram? Uh, no, no, I read it in the in the papers. Um, next up is Bolton, who won a game, finally. And they're against QPR, who could only draw with Sunderland. So is this two from two, Matt? Yeah,
2: I think so, yeah. Really? I, well, usually this is how it works, isn't it? You get a bit of confidence. And, uh, you know, Bolton, when we saw them against Brentford in that first 20 minutes, they actually looked like a side <laughs> then. Obviously, it didn't end so well, losing 3-0. But, uh, yeah, I can see them actually, you
1: know, continuing to, to lift up a little bit. I'm, I'm going to go with it again I think I think that will give Bolton a huge lift obviously it's been a horrendous start for them but they looked looked like they played really well at uh, the weekend and I think that, that's going to give them a boost for the rest of the season now.
0: There um, there seemed to be a vote of confidence for Ian Holloway on Twitter last night from Tony Fernandes unless I was misreading things completely I think he's, he's still well loved there but he does need to get some wins together doesn't he?
2: Yeah definitely I think they need to start scoring more goals as well it's been a bit of an issue recently
0: Okay, uh, Villa we'll talk a little bit more about later, um, beaten by Wolves, and really beaten by Wolves, and they have Fulham, who still can't quite get their season going, Matt.
2: Yeah, Fulham, were are perhaps a bit fortunate to come from behind against Preston at the weekend, so I could see Villa getting back on track, really, in, in this one.
1: Gregor? I think Fulham are one of the best players in the Championship, in fact, to the really play. Um, and I saw. I mean, they they had a lot of chances. They had a lot of pressure in that game uh, against Preston at the weekend. And I think I think Aston Villa they're, they're really kind of struggling a bit with the pressure. A lot of the players are there, so they've obviously had a, an upturn in form. But I still think I'm going to go for Fulham on that one.
0: Tom Kenny's coming back, isn't he? He's he's been out for for a little bit, but he's fit again. I don't know. I'm still going for a draw on this one. Um, Millwall against Birmingham. Millwall lost at the weekend. Birmingham did not first game under Steve Cottrell and they they won it. Matt, this will be a tight one, won't it? Yeah, I think it will. Um
2: Birmingham did pretty well at the weekend, obviously winning Friday night and Cottrell's first match after he dodged that bullet against Hull the other <laughs> week. Uh, so I can see this being tight, probably 1-1 draw.
1: Gregor? Yeah, I'm going for a draw. Cottrell's obviously got a great reaction the other, um, the other weekend. And um, Millwall were very unlucky at <laughs> the weekend, extremely unlucky not to get, to get something from that game. Yeah, I'm going. To, I think it'll be tight. I'm going for a draw.
0: You must have played away at Millwall a few times. What's ah, it like?
1: Oh yeah. Ah, yeah, lovely folk down there. <laughs> <laughs> Always friendly and welcoming. Yeah, yeah, I've heard some nice things from the from the side. <laughs> It's good being a left back and, and close to them there. It's really nice. Is it? <laughs> is
0: it one of the most foreboding places to go, or are there uh, worse?
1: It has been. I mean, there's 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 different different levels. If you go to Accrington Stanley and and the guys are leaning over, it can nearly touch you. Then <laughs> then that's got its own its own pressures too. But uh, there there is some. Some uh, choice words down at Millwall occasionally, yeah.
0: The big one of the weekend, though, Ipswich-Norwich. Ipswich, Norwich. Um, Ipswich that, that early burst of, of form has, has worn off now. Norwich may be finding their feet now under Daniel Fark. Um, Matt? Yeah, Norwich got a last-minute equaliser
2: at the weekend and they really pushed for that and that's seven games unbeaten, I think, for them. So I can see them continuing their form, really. I mean, Ipswich haven't drawn a game yet, so we can't really go for draw on, on this
0: one. So I'm going for a Norwich victory. Gregor, the only person who's done better with an international break than Daniel Fark is Roy Hodgson. Um, <laughs> what you were you at Norwich at, yeah. the, at the weekend? What did you make of him? I think uh, you can tell that his work um, on the
1: training ground is really is improving them, uh, and he's got he's got a really good reputation as a as a coach. And I think in the last international break, he's kind of solved the defensive issues. He got five clean sheets in a trot after conceding four against uh, I think it was Millwall, four against Villa. They're struggling for goals at home, but they're doing a bit better away from them. So I think I think it could be a, an Orich win there. They, they play play some nice football, just that lacking a little bit of cutting, out, cutting edge. They kind of had Cameron Jerome up front on his own, who was a bit statuesque at the weekend. Um, and Oliveira coming back now, that's a big thing for them. He's, he seems to get goals, so uh, I'm going for a, an away win there. What was the
0: atmosphere like at Carrow Road? Is it generally supportive?
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the first, first half an hour, they, were, they played really well, and it was a bit... They do have great expectations down there, mm-hmm. you know. They're not. Uh, I was there when Alex Neil was kind of fizzling out towards the end of last season, and it was it was. It takes a while to make him turn, but when they turn, oh you God, know about yeah. it. I mean, yeah, they did. He knew about it. Um, but I, th- I think he's still getting. He, they are supporting him, um, but they're slight, Some are to be are still to be convinced by how patient he's played. It's a little bit similar to to what's going on at Reading with with the stand down there, very patient play and they, they want attack 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 a lot of them so um, they're taking some convincing I think Matt? Yeah
2: I think they were expecting it to be a bit similar to Wagner's revolution at Huddersfield weren't they and uh, you know all energy in the final third but it's a bit more patient than that but in uh, James Madison they've got real talent there and you know he's someone that could definitely fire them to the playoffs this season
1: He was He was excellent yeah I mean kind of finds little pockets of space and he's very classy nice Good balance. Um, there were a lot of big
0: clubs after him when um, when he left Coventry, weren't there? Yeah,
1: there was. He was linked with a lot of Premier League clubs, and obviously, uh, there seems to be a bit of a mystery as to why it's taken him so long to to play there. He, he was sent on loan to Aberdeen, yeah, and he came back and he didn't play again until I think it was April. He scored in his debut. Um, this season, he's obviously getting a run and he's and he's shown what he can do, and he's he's a real talent, yeah.
0: All right, that's the Fan League. You find it on the App Store under Fan League. And if you want to link up with us, if you search for me, it's Ian McIntosh, and we'll invite you to join the Totally Football League League. Uh, After the break, League One. Hey, remember, we uh, wait until the very last minute before we decide what clubs we're looking at. So if you want to help us make that decision, get in touch with us. We are on Twitter, at The Totally Show, and Facebook, at The Totally Football Show. Exact same links as for the uh, the main show. Get in touch, tell us your club stories, and if we're suitably impressed, we'll, we'll send Matt. Now, League One... The curse of the Totally Football League show strikes again, this time on Shrewsbury. We spend 15 minutes blowing smoke up their bums on the Tuesday, and they come within 12 minutes of defeat at Bottom Club Plymouth on the Saturday. They drew 1-1 in the end, but they're off the top, because Wigan won again, 3-0 against... Well, tragically, we just don't know who they won against. Southend. I hate your face. There was a shock for early pace setters Peterborough this weekend as they lost 1-0 at home to Gillingham, though given Gillingham's form I suspect that they were just as shocked as anyone else with that result. Matt. Oxford picked up a third successive victory
2: in League One, beating Bristol Rovers 1-0 to jump into the playoff spots, while Bury fought back from going 1-0 down inside the first 10 minutes to beat High Flying Bradford 3-1. And Charlton beat
0: Doncaster 1-0, courtesy of Tarek fosu henrys fifth goal in three matches. If Rotherham's away form matched their home form, they'd be promotion favourites by now. They beat Scunthorpe 2-0 on Saturday, their 20th and 21st goals at home this season. The best in the league by miles. They've only scored three away. Portsmouth. Remember Portsmouth. They're slowly clawing their way back to the playoffs. Two goals from Oliver Hawkins gave them a 2-0 win over MK Dons. And elsewhere draw specialists Walsall drew with Blackpool. That's their fourth draw in five games. Devante Cole, son of Andy, rescued a 2-2 draw for 10-man
2: Fleetwood at home to Rochdale, who remained perilously close to the drop zone. While Northampton Sly continued with a 1-0 defeat at home to Wimbledon. It's now six games without a win or a goal for Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank's side. And Oldham beat Blackburn, 1-0. We don't need to say anything more about that.
0: (laughs) Indeed we don't. In fact, Jim uh, on Twitter, at Hangress, has been in touch. He said, uh, he's an Oldham fan. He said, we've won four on the spin. Why do you have to talk about us? Um... The curse, the legend of the curse is is spreading quickly. But Oldham, once known as Pine Villa, sounds like a kind of toilet freshener. I quite like it. Uh, They nearly won the league in the 1914-15 season, missing out by a single point to Everton and then denied a chance to go one better the following year by the industrialised slaughter of the young men of Western Europe. They dropped out of the top flight in 1923. They didn't come back until 1991 under Joe Royal. And, oh, Joe Royal took over in 82, nearly went up to the First Division in 87, lost in the Rumbelows Cup final to Nottingham Forest, and then finally burst back into the top flight in 1991. Like Chesterfield, Oldham were denied a place in the FA Cup final after a brutal semi-final replay against Manchester United in this case. They were relegated shortly afterwards. They never came back and Joe Royal left for Everton. Joe Royal and his predecessor, Jimmy Fritzel, they managed Oldham for 24 years between them. But in the 24 years since, another 24 managers have come and gone. And Matt will testify, I found that out for myself in my Roffman's yearbook. Days Literally days before Martin Samuel used it as his opening paragraph in the mail. I think he's bugged our office. So, Oldham, the most deprived town in England, uh, Ben tells me. Uh, something reflected in the finances of the club. Matt, it's, it's another club in the lower leagues that's, that's got its books in a mess.
2: Well, they haven't been deprived of three points lately.
0: Ooh, Oh, nice. Um,
2: yeah, they're, they're having a few issues uh, behind the scenes with, with the financial problems. They actually failed to pay the players on time in September and it's not the first time it's happened. So I think they're about 11 days late there with the salaries. But they are looking at bringing in a new investment. Abdallah Lemsagan is trying to arrange a takeover at the moment. Moroccan businessman slash football agent. And he brought in a few players for the club in the summer, some which have done well, some which haven't really settled yet so far. Uh, they're in a due diligence process that's been going on for about six weeks now and Simon Corney actually met with the EFL last week to to update them on that and it looks like a deal could happen in the near future. Uh, Richie Wellens is still in charge as interim manager and I imagine that the new man wants to get into the club to make his own decision on the next permanent boss there.
0: Gregor, have you come across Richie Wellens in your career?
1: Yes, I've played against him a few times when he was at Doncaster I think and he's a very good player, excellent midfielder obviously he's taken to life there uh, like a doctor water and he's, he's it was very surprising to see what happened with John Sheridan I mean I went there last season when it was the Erection mark 2 um and and it's it was just very surprising that it seemed to be a club that he was at home at home at and obviously had a chance to bring in his own players uh, during the summer but it just it just didn't didn't, it didn't happen for him so uh, it's great to see Richie Wellens uh, starting so well, though.
0: Yeah, Richie Wellens, a man who learnt his trade under Sir Alex Ferguson at Manchester United, much like the man who appears to be his rival for the job, uh, Paul Skulls. Matt, what what's happening here?
2: Well, I think Skulls has actually distanced himself from the position now. Has he? Yeah, it, it's probably. Not a great ideal first job to go in without a pre-season as well, and to try and lift Oldham's fortunes, especially on the back of Welling's doing so well. Do you want to be the guy who follows the guy who won four out of four in, yeah. in his caretaker spell? So I, I also think that there's going to be a bit of a delay while he wait to get investment in. That was the talk around Sadov as well. It was said that uh, you know that would require um, more money coming into the club, I guess, to be able to pay his wages and to um, you know bring in new players to to, to go with that. So I don't think Scholes is going to happen and I think Wellens gave an interview after the game at the weekend and he said he was told he was a massive outsider by Simon Corney when he first took the caretaker role and he's clearly given Simon Corney a headache though at the moment because the fans want him, the fans were singing Richie Wellens' Blue and White Army and the way he changed the team in the second half was brilliant at half time. I felt that Oldham perhaps gave Rovers a bit too much respect in the first half but after after
0: the break they came out and they just really took the game to them and uh, fully deserved the victory. You were there, yeah. Um the the atmosphere was great, wasn't it? I really feel like the fans getting behind the team on the pitch. It was, it was buzzing. Considering it there'd been a bit of a break as well with uh, the international break.
2: Old didn't play, um I think their game against Bury was postponed. So they yeah, they were they were behind the team from the, the off the team Played pretty well in the first half. They created a couple of chances, but really the best chances fell to Rovers. Elliot Bennett took one round, the goalkeeper. Johnny Placide, the Haitian number one yeah. in the Nets for Oldham there, who played brilliantly, I have to He's say. He's only
0: five foot 11.
2: Yeah, he didn't look the biggest, but he was actually a France under 21 international as well. He has quite a lot of appearances in, in League One over there. Uh, sorry, Ligue rather than League <laughs> One. And um, yeah, he he played well, but but Rovers uh, you know looked the, the better side in the first half. You, you could tell that Blackburn have... The more technically gifted players, but um, Oldham just had the application and yeah. and the way they, they you know they approached that second half, they were really in our face. Dan Gardner, centre midfielder, I think he was a winger actually early in his career, but he was playing centre midfield in that second half. He switched with Jack Byrne, who kind of took a bit more of a free role in the second half and was linking up nicely between the midfield and attack. But but Gardner was uh, all over the pitch, closing down players, putting them under pressure, so he couldn't play any balls out. Uh, Byrne ran the show, he, he was actually on loan at Blackburn for a short period there at the start of last season, never really uh, was given a chance at Blackburn, moved to Wigan and now he's on loan at Alder and, and he was excellent, he fired a shot just wide, created plenty of other chances for teammates.
0: Yeah, I, th- I thought Byrne was the best player on the pitch, um, he's a former Manchester City kid, he actually played a, a season in the Eredivisie for Canberra. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but it's got a lot of use in it. Uh He's absolutely excellent. Dan Gardner, who you mentioned, uh, the interesting backstory in Dan Gardner, he was doing a panel beating course at Manchester College and playing for the college team when he was spotted by Celtic scouts, apparently. Really? You know that? Yeah, according to Wikipedia. So if that turns out to be wrong, I apologise <laughs> profusely. He didn't quite make the grade, went back to non-league, and then he got spotted again, this time by Chesterfield. That was after my time there, but I, uh, I, I I
1: thought that was the guy. Yeah, that's yeah. why I was confused by the panel beating thing. But you know, <laughs> God, he's a good that player. That turns out not to be true. He's that's... a good player. He's 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 got a bit of an edge to him, and he's uh, he's he works hard, and he's he's, he's nice talent, range yeah. of passing too. Yeah.
0: there is someone that you uh, you did play with there at Chesterfield, uh, Craig Davis, who hit twenty three for Chesterfield in two thousand and eleven. Uh, another former Man City kid. Um, those thirty one now. Yeah, I mean
1: he, he's he'll get goals at that level definitely he's a he's a big big unit and uh aggressive um he, he was he was fantastic that year that we we got promoted he scored scored a bucket of goals like you say it was him and jack up front and that was uh, that was a great season i think he I think I think he's going to be a big player for them. Obviously, the, with Doyle as well up front, that's two two yeah. good strikers for that level. And, it's and another former Chesterfield hotshot there.
0: He got uh, 21 yeah. in uh, 2015. That's two. That's two good players for that level. And I think I think that's they're going to be huge for them. So what what were they doing down there in the in the first place?
1: They look a really decent team. It's 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 hard to <laughs> it's very hard to put your finger on. But uh, the thing I know about John Sheridan is he's, he he needs certain type of character in the in the changing room he does not sugarcoat it he, <laughs> <laughs> if he if he thinks something's going
0: wrong he will tell you and well i mean they, they do have a lot of you know former premier league academy kids is that do you potentially. think actually i mean have he, you seen that in in your career that, that the young players have come from a kind of gilded background and then been thrust into the realities of lower league football
1: well yeah it's, a, it's an eye-opener too i mean we had we had when John Sheridan was at Chesterfield, we had a few players that, that came in. There was a guy, Donald McDermott, who was from Man City, and he was he was a great player. But if he had an off day, John, like I say, John Sheridan would let him know about it. Uh, he'd let anyone know about it. He's he he can be he can be a tough taskmaster. So that's potentially something that could have been could have been an issue. And if things start to start to unravel a bit, then then it can be hard to
0: a teacup still
1: thrown about. No, I think uh are just kind of. More violence comes out from comes out of his mouth in fact. <laughs> than the, than the t- <laughs> yeah, he's. I, I really enjoy playing for him. I think he's a good manager. He's he's honest. That's the first thing anyone looks for. And and you enjoyed training. You enjoyed playing for him. He just had to be able to take uh, take his his uh, his harsh words sometimes on a Saturday.
0: Matt, you you spoke to Richie Wellens uh, a couple of weeks ago. What, what did you make of him as a as a person? Is there, is there violence coming out of his mouth? <laughs>
2: No, well he knows exactly how he wants the team to play. And I think it's one thing having that, that vision and it's another thing being able to, to bring it about on the pitch. And that was probably the most impressive thing at the weekend was the fact that he talked about how they wanted to play a pressing game, pass the ball around, pass it out from the back. And I thought, okay, well, let's you know, this is a real test of this. they're, they're playing against Blackburn here, who are, you know, one of the strongest sides of the division. Well, they should be. And <laughs> and they they did that. They passed it out from the back. There was a, a great moment actually where in the second half uh, Johnny Placide was being closed down by Danny Graham and he just took an extra touch so Graham ran straight past him and all the f- crowd were <laughs> loving that and and yeah they, they passed it out nicely They uh, but they pressed they really got in Rovers' faces and you can see that the players
0: are really responding to Wellens' methods I mean if, if that was my club it's a no-brainer isn't it Richie Wellens gets the job Gregor?
1: Yeah I mean especially I think there's no rush they've got to until the takeover happens, he, want to, he would want to know that, that's, that they want him as well, the new owners. So I think, I think just let him, let him continue what he's doing.
0: He said some very diplomatic things about uh, Paul Scholes and, and Clarence Seidorf. Uh, uh, clearly a man with a long-term view yes. of, of staying there. Though, to be honest, if he keeps winning games, they've got a tough one away at Bradford tonight. Um, he can pretty much pick his position when the next round of uh, sackings come.
2: Yeah, definitely. He might have a look through the leagues and see other positions that might come available soon. But I think the fans are desperate for him to stay. They've said whoever they get in, he's got to be number two at the very least. And like I say, they sang his name at the weekend and they're loving this revival.
3: Can't fault him. Really played 3-1-3, 3 in the league. Played a nice, positive style of football. He's got the team passing it. He, he's got on pressing, he's got them running around, they're actually looking like the care. At the moment he's, his track record's proving well so he's making some good decisions on the pitch so you can't really argue at the moment. He's uh, doing a pretty good job. Richie's got the knowledge of the club, he's got the knowledge of the leagues as well. It's strange to think really when you look at it, it's virtually the same team. Alright well as I say they are away at Bradford tonight,
0: um, they will be home again before too long. Matt, if I wanted to go and see Oldham, what would I have to do?
2: Well, you could drive if... Uh... You take the car, it's pretty easy to get there. You come off the M62 at Junction 20, take the A627, it's very well signposted. <laughs> your, your instructions are always so detailed, I like them well we want to make sure people actually reach the ground in time for kickoff. Here. <laughs> there's actually loads of parking around the stadium as well there's, there's a gym in the new stand so I think if you get a membership you're allowed to park on the club car park because really yeah I was asked when I pulled up the the other day they were like oh are you a gym member and I was like yes <laughs> uh, and also actually I think I could see people on the treadmill watching the game from where I was sitting in the, in the other stand oh, nice. so so that might be the way to sneak into all I'm not sure if we're supposed to say that <laughs> uh, you can also take the metro link from Manchester City Centre to Westwood stop and it's a 15 minute walk tickets adults are 20 pounds and under 16s for 10 pounds
0: that was very thorough thank you very much matt when we come back after the break it's the championship and it's wolverhampton wanderers
3: gentlemen are you feeling a bit crap well you're not alone everyone does at some point But the thing people don't realise is just how common it is in chaps like you and me. Last year, 76% of all the suicides in Britain were male. That's 4,287 men, a figure not much smaller than the average League 2 attendance last season. On average, 12 men take their own life every single day, meaning that the leading cause of death for men under 45 in the UK is suicide. Scary, huh? But that's part of the problem. There's still a strong social stigma around depression and suicide, and this can often stop men from opening up and seeking help when they need it. That's why we at the Totally Football Shows are working with Calm. They're the Campaign Against Living Miserably, a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide in the UK. Every day from 5pm till midnight, they provide a free, confidential and anonymous helpline and web chat for any man who needs support. They've also got a website and a free magazine packed with the kind of information you need if you or any of your mates are having a rough time, as well as some cracking stuff on comedy, bands, film and, of course, football too. So if you are feeling crap, find Calm at thecalmzone.net for support and some straight-up manspiration. It's time for the Championship. We'll
0: talk more about Wolves' 2-0 win in a moment, but blimey, even Steve Bruce had to admit that Villa were beaten by the better side there. Uh, The Wolves have opened up a two-point lead on Cardiff, who were beaten by Birmingham in Steve Cottrell's first game in charge. Cardiff didn't have a single shot on target. Meanwhile, Sheffield United continue to impress. They beat Ipswich 1-0 in front of nearly 26,000 people, and they are third.
2: British Ombalonga rescued a 2-2 draw from Middlesbrough at Barnsley, but Gary Monkside in now four games without a win in the championship. And Bolton picked up their first victory of the season at the 12th time of asking, a fine strike from Sami Amiobi sending them on their way to a 2-1 win over Sheffield Wednesday. There was a controversial finish to Brentford's 1-0 win over Millwall, with ref Lee Probert awarding a penalty for the visitors, despite Lee Gregory slotting the ball home after Jed Wallace had been fouled. Gregory stepped up to take the spot kick, but it was brilliantly saved by Daniel Bentley.
0: Sunderland drew 1-0 with QPR, they're unbeaten in two. And they're still second bottom, three points adrift and without a league win since August the 13th, but hey-ho, let's be positive. Bristol City's impressive surge, that was slowed by Burton Albion, those two drew 0-0. And in the big game on Sunday, Derby County came through our show's curse and they put Nottingham Forest to the sword. Big 2-0 win for Gary Rowett. Preston threw away a 2-0 lead at Fulham as goalkeeper Chris Maxwell dropped a
2: late cross to hand Dennis Odoi a 96th minute equaliser. And what do we know? Reading picked up an impressive 1-0 win at Leeds thanks to Modu Barrow's strike and a stoppage time penalty save from Vito Minoni. There was also late drama at Norwich. Nelson Oliveira flicking the ball home in a 96th minute to salvage a 1-1 draw against 10-man Hull.
0: Lovely stuff. Right, we don't usually do the Plotted History for the Championship Clubs, because kind of assume you know all about them anyway. But I always think it's worth remembering that Wolves were the original post-war dynastic superpower. They dominated the 1950s. They beat the mighty Honved, and it was only a little bit because Ron Atkinson and the rest of the Wolves' ground staff flooded the pitch. Um, For Wolves to have gone from that level to the fourth division in about 30 years, very nearly out of the Football League entirely, I mean... Imagine Liverpool being down there, scrapping it out with Chesterfield and Port Vale today, and that's that's where it is. But for the first time since those days of Stan Cullis, there's a chance they could be a really, really good side again because, Matt, it's all changed, isn't it? Yeah, it's all changed. They've got new investment from Fossum. their
2: Chinese backers. They've got George Mendes involved, who's done an interesting job at bringing players from all over I- Iberia and uh, yeah some of those sign-ins have been absolutely brilliant and the way they're playing at the moment they, they were completely outclassed Villa at the weekend. Do you
0: know why Wolverhampton's famous? Famous first for Wolverhampton? Flood lakes. Oh, close. The uh, first club to really make use of them, but I think it was Arsenal were first with floodlights. Oh, okay. uh, very close because they were the first town in Britain to introduce automated traffic lights in 1927. <laughs> How do you really make use of floodlights? What's, what's not making <laughs> use of Well, they just well, turn them on. them on. <laughs> <laughs> no, we all started having uh, big exhibition games, which was where the game with Honved, who were the bulk of the great Hungarian side, came over, and uh, it was... Uh, Everyone in football, George Best, Gordon Banks—they're all kids watching it, and uh, it's generally regarded to have led to the formation of the European Cup, of R V the Champions League. But we're getting way ahead of ourselves. Um, there was a misstep in Fosen International start, wasn't there? Because they they hired Walter Zenga, and that that didn't really work out.
2: No, it wasn't a great appointment. Actually, he's been linked with Oldham as well, uh, with the <laughs> new investment that's going on there. So so we might get a return for him to English football. Uh, no, he's he's had quite a check a career really as a manager hasn't Mm. he's been everywhere and never really settled too well yes but I think they've they've made uh, a good appointment now clearly Nuno Santo what a great record he had at Valencia in Spain he took them to fourth in La Liga in his first season there and he ended up quitting uh, a few months into his second season in November after a pretty mixed start but not too bad Uh, and that was when the Gary Neville experiment started obviously
0: Gary Neville's predecessor uh, George Mendes his first ever client and Jose Mourinho's backup goalkeeper at Porto. Um, I'll be honest, I have my doubts. Matt, you must have had your doubts after what happened at Blackburn Rovers. Um, but there seems to be a difference between the Blackburn Rovers fiasco and this, in that George Mendes is actually bringing in really good players.
2: Yeah, exactly. If if you're going to get an agent to to help with your transfer business, then you know make sure you get the very best. And George Mendes, the players that he's brought in so far, I think they've broken their transfer record in last three windows running. They signed Ivan Cavallero, who's still in the first team, played well again at the weekend, held a cost of what a player he is, signed on loan initially, and then they made that permanent last January. Ruben Neves, who's doing brilliantly in midfield, captain Porto as an 18-year-old in the Champions League, and then the star of this season, Diogo Jota, who's mm. on loan from Atletico Madrid, and Wolves have an option to buy, and it looks again like they're going to smash a transfer window in January to make that permanent deal.
0: Gregor, have you seen much of him this season?
1: Yeah, I did a, I did a, a feature... Pre-season, I went to the um, they played Leicester in the last last pre-season game, and they were they played Leicester off the park, I and mean, then they do look the real the real deal. And I think it, it, what was interesting was there's been a lot of scrutiny of uh, Mendez obviously and his involvement, but you go and you speak to any Wol- Wolves fan, and they they're, they don't care. <laughs> they <laughs> want they want success. They see the players coming and they think if this is going to get us in the Premier League, this is modern football. We'll, we'll take this, thank you very much. And they've, they've put together a
0: fantastic team. But we should just say that it's not just flash players, is it? I mean, we had Chris Powell in here last week, was talking about uh, he had Connor Cody at Huddersfield and, and couldn't have seen him being the the central defender he is. Um, Matt, who else is, is there who sort of represents the steel to the, the newly imported silk?
2: Yeah, they seem to have built a defence on a lot of players that have experience in the Football League. Danny Barth come, has come back into the side in that three-man defence there and uh, yeah, they have Matt Doherty who's uh, done well this season down the right wing-back position. Uh, I was going to ask Gregor actually, is that, um, you know are you impressed with how quickly they've switched that 3-4-3 formation? Because apparently the first day pre-season, Nuno Santo goes into the training ground like, this is how we're going to play this season and they're playing brilliantly in that shape already and a lot of players might not be familiar with it. Cody, obviously, Powell said last week he never saw him dropping back and playing that sweeper position.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think he, he deserves huge credit because they've kind of drawn together this disparate group of players from all over the <laughs> all over the world, really. Huge. You'd think there might be some big egos, big price tags. And he's, he's, he's created an organised, solid unit. That's the first thing people say about, about Wolves at the moment. They look hard to beat. And that's that's all that all stems from work on the training ground and and uh, I think
0: I think Nuno deserves great credit for that. Yeah, I tell you who else he's brought in who I liked and you'd never catch me saying this near a TV at Christmas, but I really like Miranda. He's been fantastic. He played <laughs> for uh, Nuno at the Portuguese club that I'm scared to say because I'll never say it right. Rio Ave. That'll do. I was going to go for Real Ave.
2: He's good on the ball, isn't he? He Played some great passes the other day against Villa. Forward passes, uh, you know, into Hotters feet and
0: aye. I like the boy Vinegar as well. He's decent. Um, What next for Wolves? More money to be spent in January? Absolutely. That's what I've heard. I think Hotter. obviously, they want to
2: get that transfer tied up. And they've only got Leo Bonatini really as the only senior striker at the moment. He's on loan from Al Hilal. He actually hasn't started the last couple of games. He's played more of a fluid front three with Costa coming back to fitness and alongside Cavaliero and Hotter. But Bonatini came on at half-time at the weekend, did really well in that second half, scored obviously the second goal. He's got five goals and four assists in 12 games so far, so he he looks a really promising signing. But I think they do want another centre-forward to... to uh, provide some competition in that area. They ch- went for Jordan Hugill uh, in the summer, and Preston obviously rejected their offers then. And it's unlikely with Preston being in the playoff spots that they're going to be interested mm. in selling him at this stage. But I think a centre forward is definitely the prime target for Wolves.
0: Well, they play Preston at the weekend, and given the absolute hiding they gave Aston Villa, um, I can't see Preston holding out. I'm going to go around the table, but I think I know the answer. Do you think Wolves will get automatic promotion? Yes, I think they look they look the real deal. They've every position they've got got real quality
1: and strength and I think I think they'll be up there, yeah.
2: Matt. Yeah, absolutely. They'll f- they'll finish in the top 2 spots. They were so much better than Villa at the weekend.
0: The Wolves fans will be screaming uh, right now <laughs> given our reputation for invoking pain and misery. Um but I th- I think you could throw that club in the Premier League and they would stay up right now at this stage. I think they're they're that good. Um, and if the money keeps coming and they keep signing the players that well, I'd, I... yeah, they, they they could be absolutely fine. Could be playing Homvet again. Yeah, who just, knows? just need
2: Homvet to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so that's Wolves thoroughly hexed by the Totally Football League show. We are swiftly running out of time, um, but there is just a bit of time for the question section. Uh, Ed Quoth, the Raven. Very good friend of the show, regular correspondent he says uh, which of chesterfield 's crimes was the worst? the fake fan Surrey Spyright, who won the uh, the the competition for a trip away, or the appointment of Dean Saunders as manager <laughs> Matt which hurt the club more." We'll let Gregor off this one. Let's let's go
2: for let's go for the fake because I think we want to get Dean Sons on the show at some point.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'll agree with that one. Yeah, that that did not go well. Um Tom Knight, uh he says, Northampton town, are we going down? How do we fix it? It's so hard to watch. Have you seen much of Northampton? Yes, I've seen a fair bit of
1: them. Um I saw uh Jimmy Floyd's first game and he seemed to have completely He'd organised them really well, and they seemed. They looked like they were going to stop conceding goals, and then bang! <laughs> left, right, and centre, they're going in. It's very, it's surprising. he looked like he'd, he'd kind of, it, it, would shored things up at the back there. But um, I think they're they're looking, they're looking like they could be in trouble. I think they need January to come round as well, and, oh, yeah. and to find
0: somebody who can score some goals. Never recovered from letting that two goal lead slip at South End. Sam Keenard, uh, he says it'd be great to hear Gregor reminisce about his promotion season with Grimsby Town. Ah, good days.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Wembley final. Uh, we, we lost this the season before uh, to Bristol Rovers, my penalty kick, which was very tough to take. And then the following season, we, to go one better, that was that was a fantastic day. Yeah. That was my second last day of my career, too. The last two games were both at Wembley. That's probably.
0: Is that? That's my you... first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm it's not going to bet on this. <laughs> um, you're a manager at Grimsby, of course, manager at Shrewsbury now. Um are you even faintly surprised by what's happening?
1: well, yeah, you've got to be surprised, i think, but I'm not surprised he's doing well, but this well yes uh I, I went there the other week, and they were like they were so so well organized so fit um and he's 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 a he's a good manager i think he's got a good future he's not there's nothing flashy about him he he draws together a group of players who there's no there's no star on the team, there's no egos he wants everyone to earn the same amount of money really as well he doesn't want any any sort of cause for any any disruption in the dressing room at all he wants a good team spirit um and he's he's honest and straightforward with the players and and training's enjoyable he's i think he's he's got a good future and i think Shrewsbury everyone's waiting every, everyone's waiting for them to to drop now to to fall off for it to go to go pop but they look very hard to beat and i think I think it's going to be hard,
0: hard for somebody to topple them. Well, let's be honest. Even if they do go pop and finish mid-table, that's still quite a massive step up from from last season. They'd have taken that in August. Um, let's ask you about Scotland. Um, it's been a strange don't do that <laughs> 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 a strange couple of weeks, isn't it? Um, Gordon Strachan's comments on genetics. <laughs> really? Um... <laughs> I'm six foot two. You know? I, oh, mean... <laughs> no, no, I was going to say you you bust the theory.
1: Yeah, I mean. The thing is, he's spoken about this before, and and I, you see his point if you look at the team in that we've not really got many athletes in the team. But to to bang on about the height just after going out is was was a big mistake. Uh, if you look at the players at his disposal, every manager for the last twenty years or so has struggled. It's not been it's not his fault. Um, and I think I think it probably was time to to try someone else. But I'm not sure who that someone else is going to be actually. Could it be Malky Um it could, Should it be Malcolm McKay? That's a very different question, yes. Uh, I would say probably not. I think is- he's got a job as well. He's, his job's got some serious purpose, I think. Uh, he's trying to look at how he can improve the standard of players are coming out of, a, of our uh, little proud country. Because there is
0: <laughs> there is one man available. He's got a little bit of experience in international football. Would, <laughs> is Scotland ready for Big Sam Allardyce? I think they'd embrace Big Sam, yeah. yeah? <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to happen,
1: though. Really? Well, no, I don't think he'd do that. Uh, it's true. There's not. You look at who, who who there is available, and there's not. There's not many. I mean you're, you're going back to a man who's on this show recently, Alex McLeish. Uh, he did well in his short time there, and he's been out the game for a while. But he's 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 had a good career. I think I think they could do worse. I think Paul Lambert has done well on the whole. I think he'd be a shout. But beyond that, there's nobody really there.
0: OK, we'll let you off the rest of that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> our final question, uh, which is uh, in no way a thinly-veiled attempt to uh, gain more context for, for guests on the show. Who's your best friend in football?
1: Oh, God. I mean, I was I was good friends with, with uh, Jack Lester. And I still am. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, played with him at Forest and Chesterfield and known him a long time. The goalkeeper there, Tommy Lee, I'm good friends with. Barry Roach, I know you were saying it like Roche, like Fred Roche or something but uh, the Irishman <laughs> I've,
0: I've got pronunciations
1: far worse than that uh, Yeah, I played with him at Forest as well and uh, there's a few but I'd, I'd say those those lads at Chesterfield, that was a good time there
0: what, what do they make of you being a journalist now?
1: Uh, I think when when I ring them now, they kind of go, oh god, what does he want now? You know? <laughs> I get some people, like, you, get, you, get, you get the odd joke about uh, watch what you say around him now but
0: most of the time it's just yeah, it's just about, about job. Well, we're very glad you didn't watch what you said around here. Um, <laughs> it's been wonderful to have you on the show. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank for um, Matt, thank you so much for coming in. Uh, this has been the Totally Football League show. You can follow us on Twitter at the Totally Show. You can follow us on Facebook at the Totally Football Show. Uh, if you like the show, do give us a review or a star rating. They all count, they all really, really help. And we will see you next Tuesday.
3: The Totally Football League Show is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email us at sales at